Hello, everyone. Uh, this is our first episode of the highly anticipated Conti cast, where we cover everything BC hockey, men's, women's, and maybe club, depending on the day. Uh, let's start with some introductions. My name is Brendan Mahoney, and I am a junior history major at Boston College. I'm Anthony Smith. I'm a communications major here at BC, and we're really excited to both get on this journey together. So before we get started, I just want to say this is an idea that Anthony and I have been, you know, talking about, thinking about for a couple of years now. And we realized that a lot of other big hockey schools don't have, or they do have podcasts and BC doesn't have one. So we decided that we would take things into our own hands and start our own podcast called ContiCast. So we'll get right into it. So let's start with some women's hockey. Um, Anthony, tell us about the summer headlines for the women's team. Yeah, so our captains were named Gabby Roy and Abby Newhook as captains. I remember Abby Newhook had a really wonderful season last year, um, putting up stats that are eerily reminiscent of her brother uh, from his time at BC. Um, also in the um, women's news, we have the 2024 Beanpot will be played in TD Garden, uh, which is a change from last year because last year it was played at Conti Forum at Boston College. Um, Anthony, did you go to one of those games with me? It was That was fun. I went to the BC Northeastern. I think it was the... I was there. Yeah, yes, yeah. Was there. That was good. It was on like a Wednesday. So it was fun. It was a good time. It was fun having a Conti, but I think it's a great move for women's hockey to have it um, at TD Garden in Boston. It's just really good to get the exposure going with the younger generation. I remember a lot of our current players, like based the fact they come to BC off the bean pot and go into it as children. So that's going to be really big for recruiting for all four schools, really, yeah. in the future. Yeah. Um, also, another big piece of news is that BC legend Katie Crowley was named to the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, congratulations to her. Well, well-deserved. Um, all right, so now we'll get into a little bit of a season preview for the women's hockey. Uh, tell us about transfers, Anthony. Yeah, so Hannah Bilka and Kayla Barnes, unfortunately, aren't going to be joining us for this season. They are transferring to, or they transferred to Ohio State. Both really key players on the U.S. program for club and country. And it's sad to see them go, but yeah. we've got a good group going into it. Yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember, um, I believe it was during the Hockey East tournament, the Kayla Barnes um threw someone against the boards and I, me and my friend Jefferson lost it. Um, those both very exciting players to watch. So it's sad to see them go. Um, but also we have replacing obviously the legendary goalie, Abby Levy uh, is Grace Campbell. Uh, Anthony, tell us a little bit about Grace Campbell. Yeah. So Abby Levy's departure is, is going to be fulfilled by Grace Campbell most likely with like, uh, she had like a 9-2 save percentage last year, I believe, coming off the bench. And she's going to look to build off of that this year. Granted, Levy, it's going to be tough shoes to fill. Um, someone who performed well for club and country, once again, on the international level. Um, the goaltending position is just a really big thing to get us out of jams. And that's something as, as a BC hockey program we pride ourselves on, based on having grown all that talent in the past. Right. So yeah. To uh, to build on that uh, with the, you know, the past couple of years in terms of the men's goalies have been 
pretty abysmal. Um, so I think it's important uh, to build that up in the women's program and build off of how great Abby Levy was um, because she was fun to watch. She was certainly very talented. Um, in other news for season preview for the women's hockey, um, unsurprisingly, Abby Newhook will likely be the point leader. But again, we don't know that for sure. And in terms of the preseason coaches poll for the Hockey East, um, BC is ranked sixth. Um, anything else for women's hockey, Anthony? Yeah, so for the preseason coaches poll, we're kind of in the mid-table area, but we like to build on that. Obviously, as the season goes on, we get into our group. Everyone gets used to each other. I'm looking for a big year from number 14, Abby Volo. It's pretty fast-forward sniper. I, I really like her game last year, and I think with the new leadership we have, we're going to get off to a good start and look to build on that as the season kind of goes on. Now we're going to get a little bit into the men's headlines. Um, Anthony, tell us a little bit about what happened over the summer. Yeah, so starting off, one of our associate head coaches was hired, um, Brent Darnell. He was a former, or last year, he was the director of player personnel at the U.S. NDTP. Really important, really important program in America. A lot of talent comes out of there every year from the draft for both the U17 and the U18 side. So it's going to be important because we're going to get into a lot of the players that came in from that program, and he's going to have affiliations with all those. So hopefully it kind of helps with our chemistry and getting kind of used with Coach Brown on kind of who these people are and just make them feel welcome. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that the idea is that BC um, harvests a lot of those dev team players, so having that sort of bond uh, that already exists is only good for chemistry. Um, Anthony, let's talk about the captaincies. Who are our captains for the upcoming season? So Eamon Powell um, is our captain, and Gentry Schamberger is assistant. Both really key players, veterans at this point, all four years. And they just look to – I wouldn't say that they're like – born leaders they're they're the type of guys that are like leading by example um a big thing in the nhl is like jonathan taze i remember he he really leads by example and someone like steve eisman so those type of players in the past have been really successful by just doing showing up every day getting the work done and hopefully the rest of the team follows and i'm sure they will and that will kind of serve as like the foundation for this year's team yeah um I think I would agree with that generally. I think that the interesting thing to me is that should we have not seen the departure of someone like Trevor Kuntar or Nikita Nesterenko, it would have been different. I think that we would have had different captains. I'm not sure if you agree with that or not, Anthony, but I think that should they have not left for the NHL, it would have been a little bit different. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned Kuntar because – he is a born leader, and we saw that last year in the way kind of his meticulous approach to everything. He holds his team. He holds his teammates accountable, and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I remember going to uh, the East Coast Jumbos joint practice um, with the BC men's hockey. Uh, the East Coast Jumbos, for those who don't know, uh, is a hockey program that helps um, teach hockey to people um, with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And I just remember seeing. 
Trevor Kuntar on the bench, hyping everyone up after every goal, after every play. And it was really inspiring to see. Um, so, yeah, Kuntar will definitely be missed. Um, but I'm excited for the captaincies of Powell and Schamberger. Um, now we'll get a little bit into transfers. Uh, Anthony, tell us about who transferred this summer away from BC. Yeah, so a big one is Marshall Warren, uh, one of our big D-men the last three seasons, or four seasons, granted. Um, he joins Michigan to a, a really talented team in the Big Ten, and he's going to kind of serve as their a lot of leadership for them. But it's unfortunate that he's depart, departed from BC. Uh, he, he meant a lot to the people. Once again, another born leader. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that Marsh transferred. I thought I thought after that senior season he would be done, but I guess he wanted to use his last year of graduate eligibility, which, you know, given the layout of today's college hockey, it makes total sense. Um, also, Kate Alami, our um, giant on skates, now joined Arizona State. Um I just saw a few pictures, actually, of his media day. Um, you know, similar colors to BC, but um, Cade looks to join a pretty pretty talented Arizona team. Um, I believe Septonfelt are still there. Yeah, I think they're right? ranked, like, in the teens in the preseason coaches' poll, so that's going to be a talented roster. Yeah, yeah, I think it should be a good team. Um, and any other transfers, Anthony? Uh, Mitch Andres, one of our D-men, coming off the bench. He's going to Robert Morris. And Liam Isaac, someone who spent a good portion of the last two or three years with us, um, he's off to Sacred Heart into a big kind of program that they're growing there with the with their new building and their new staff and whatnot. He's gonna have a it's a great opportunity for him, really. So yeah, Sacred Heart is a really really up and coming program in terms of the NCAA. They built a brand new arena. BC actually spoiled their um opener in that arena it back in january it was i believe at yeah, january um but yeah sacred heart uh, is a solid program and liam isaac looks to um join in on that all right now what i believe everyone has been waiting for as well as you know what anthony and i have been talking about on our own time um let's look at the huge I, it says big name on the script but i'm gonna say huge name freshman uh that we have coming to bc anthony yeah, so I'm kind of just going to start off with people that came in from the, the program under-18 team last year, like we were mentioning earlier. Um, starting off with Will Smith. Um, he was drafted by the San Jose Sharks in June. And he's going to be probably our one center, an elite elite playmaker. Um, I believe over 120 points in um, over 60 games. So just over two points a game last year for the under-18 team, which is a rare, rare feat. Um, so he's going to be coming as just an elite, elite player. Um, who do we have next, Brendan? Uh, so we have Ryan Leonard, who was drafting, drafted by the, um, the Capitals back in June, uh, 50 goal scorer, um, seem around campus all the time. He's always, uh, you know, jovial and happy to be here. I think all of these guys, uh, coming from the dev team are happy to be here because it's the a huge step in all of their um, hockey journeys. Uh, and then Anthony, tell us about Gabe Perot. Yeah. So he's the last of like the big three trio that we saw on the, on the dev team this past year, probably one of the most, the highest scoring lines ever seen at the program. Um, 
Gabe Perot set the single season record for points last year with over 130, breaking Austin Matthews' record uh, in single season. So it's really incredible to see that. And the best way I could describe Gabe Perot is just hockey IQ for days. Like, he just, him and Smith have an incredible, incredible way with kind of how they work on the ice and they always know where each other are. Like, I remember a great quote I heard from somebody in the hockey world, um, maybe one of my old coaches, was a good player knows where they are on the ice, a great player knows where the other teammates are on the ice. And that is really, really shown through their game as they kind of just looking to come into BC and kind of form that trio maybe again. We don't know what Brown's cooking, but it's going to be interesting. Yeah, in terms of that trio, personally, I don't see the point in breaking up that line, mostly because I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, we'll get into that probably later in the season when we see actually how the lines are built. But um, but yeah, in terms of other people coming to BC, other big-name freshmen, we got Drew Fortescue, who really has a wonderful ability to move the puck as a defenseman. Uh, he was drafted by New York back in June, and I think that I think Fortescue will add a lot of mobility in terms of the defenseman position that a lot of the other teams in the Hockey East have. I mean, immediately I think of Lane Hudson and BU, but I think that the ability to move the puck as a defenseman is very important, especially in this Hockey East uh, as we know it. So, yeah. Yeah, so kind of on a similar note, um, Aaron Manidian, he's going to Dallas, um, back drafted back in June again. He played on Fortescue's... Uh, left side most of the year at the program once again and they they were really really like they had great chemistry um, I really like what they brought to the to the team I would say that Fortescue is more of a stay-at-home guy um, and that was shown from his play as kind of Aram and Idiom would be the one to kind of get in behind um, go around the edges on the half wall move the puck around the boards try to find teammates in open space well, Forty Skew's a, a big distributor at the top, so it's going to be interesting to see if they if they do play together on a line um, with kind of their experience together. But it'll be definitely interesting to see kind of how that ends up going. Yeah, and uh, with the last big name freshman that we see coming from the Dev team um, is Will Vote. Uh, although he wasn't drafted, he participated in Montreal's. Um, dev camp and you know he's a pretty crafty two-way playmaker so i think he'll be interesting um to see at boston college yeah so kind of a little bit more on will vote um with him not being drafted it'll be interesting to see kind of if he chooses to stay all those four years and kind of how he develops i remember in the past bc has been exceptional at developing smaller talent with two dames like nathan gerby and johnny gaudreau obviously coming to mind and I remember them saying before in an interview that that's kind of where they chose BC. Um, Jerry York in the past has stated, and maybe this will trickle down to Greg Brown, that it doesn't matter the stature of one. It's just everybody's going to get a chance to play and prove themselves and do who can actually produce. And Will Vote is somebody that I see growing a lot in the next two or three years as a player. So it'll be interesting to see if that comes true. Yeah, um, I think next we're going to look into uh, the big-name goalie that we have coming in, um, mostly because in the past two years with Eric Dopp and um, 
Why am I blanking on his name? Mitch Benson. Mitch Benson. <laughs> See, I couldn't think of his name. Um, we've had a little bit of, you know, a tumultuous go when it terms comes to goalies having a few grad transfers. Um, but now we have Jacob Fowler coming in. Tell us a little bit about Jacob Fowler. Yeah, so Jacob comes in out of Florida, which is not necessarily a hockey hotbed, um, as he said before. But he definitely experienced, and he was he was drafted in the third round by the Montreal Canadiens, and that's going to be interesting to see kind of how long that pans out. Don't really know too yet, too much yet. But he played in Youngstown last year, and he was just phenomenal in the USHL. I believe he was the goals against average and save percentage leader throughout the season. And he eventually propelled that team to a Clark Cup um, in domestic competition. And I remember just in the playoffs, just phenomenal. Just an absolute brick wall in the clutch moments, which is really kind of what you look for in, the, in a goaltender like that, somebody you can pr- perform when it matters the most. He's not the biggest guy. Uh, he's at 6'2", but he's not the smallest guy either. We've seen... Goalie's a bit smaller than that. Um, at the program, Trey Augustine comes to mind. Just phenomenal, phenomenal positioning. And he's just going to be our backstop throughout the year between the pipes. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Trey Augustine. Uh, that makes me even more um, anticipatory to the two Michigan State games that we have coming up in the middle of October. Um, but beyond the freshmen, we have the um, – transfers coming into VC, starting with Jamie Armstrong, who we have saw a lot of considering he played at BU. Anthony? Yeah, so Jamie Armstrong comes in with a lot of experience. He's a four-year player at BU. Um, I would describe him as a two-way forward. He's a guy that looks to perform in the face-off dot and on the penalty kill. Um, he reminds me a lot of Mike Posma uh, on the current roster. Just a great, great grindy player. Comes in with a lot of experience and will look to kind of solidify that bottom six um, throughout the year. We also have uh, two others, starting with uh, Jacob Bankston from Lake Superior State. Um, seems like an interesting player. I don't know too much about him. Uh, Anthony, what do you know? Yeah, so Jacob Bankston last year, just he had a lot of a lot of assists. I would describe him as kind of a two-way puck mover, very similar to Fortescue. They're both tall Um big long reach they can i would describe them as like maybe more stay at home um great on the penalty kill shot blockers somebody who can look to move pucks but also like lock it down on d and that's just really important to solidify that blue line which is something that bc has looked to do over the past two or three years uh, with all this young talent coming in and finally for transfers we have uh, jack malone uh from cornell and Malone seems to be an interesting player. I've seen, you know, on random Tuesday nights when I watch Ivy League hockey. Um, he's a name that definitely comes up a lot. Yeah, so being drafted by Vancouver in the sixth round, um, he's very comparable to Trevor Kuntar. Kind of just the way they play in the face-off dot. Kind of another born leader, actually, in fact, which is great. He comes in looking to solidify that penalty kill and improve on the face-offs once again. And now we're going to get a little bit into the other freshmen that I have coming, um, who are 
exciting in their own rights. Um, let's start with Tim, or as I've heard he's called, Timmy DeLay. Um, Anthony, tell us a little bit about him. Yeah, so he comes in from the BCHL Junior A level, um, Chilliwack. Um, pretty familiar to BC because uh, Nikita Nesterenko did come out of Chilliwack as well. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see him grow as a player throughout these next two or three years. He's probably not going to get that much ice time starting off with, but he's definitely a solid playmaker, and he's just going to look to get gain experience this year, get acclimated with a new group and whatnot. Yeah, and we also have uh, Nolan Joyce, another Dedham native, brother of Connor Joyce, um, coming from the Chicago Steel. Uh, Joyce will be an interesting player. I think that um, I don't see he him and Connor as very similar players, but I think um, – I think it'll be a little interesting to see them um, on the ice. Yeah, I mean, Connor's obviously a forward. Nolan comes in as a D. Um, Nolan played at the in the USHL last year for Chicago Steel, a team that consistently performs well in domestic competition. Um, so Nolan, he does come in with a lot of experience. He's a bit of an older player. Comes in as a plus one, I think, or maybe a plus two. And he's just going to solidify that blue line. Um, once again, maybe not too much ice time off to the start, but if he can come in with experience and just get acclimated once again, it's going to really help us with our young team and our growth. Yeah, and um, beyond that, let's talk about the other two uh, goalies that we have. Um, seeing as we lost the two backups that we had last year, um, let's start with Jan Korak. Yeah, so Jan Korak is a Slovakian. He, he's, he has some international experience um, at the U18 level, I believe, or the U20 level. Um, he comes in from Des Moines in the USHL. I think he had a decent year, maybe like an 8-9 percentage. Um, he's going to be one of our backups, along with Alex Musielek from Kentville on the junior A level. Um, we saw I'm just a big player that comes to mind when I think of the CCHL is obviously Devin Levi. <laughs> Um, coming in from like the Carlton Place Canadians, Levi was just he just grew as a player, and Alex Musialik maybe will look up to Jacob Fowler and correct with experience, and maybe will look to grow some more with his game and gain some more confidence. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. I think I think obviously having three freshman goalies is going to be. An experiment, to say the least. I think that um, obviously Fowler will get most of the playing time, but I wouldn't be surprised um, if every so often we see a um, a change in that, um, whether it be a blow game or something like that. But yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see with no exhibition this year, uh, because that is a time where in the past we have uh, allowed kind of our young goalies to be put into a situation to grow. But we unfortunately, there's no exhibitions on the schedule this year. So we will most likely see maybe like a 1A, 1B situation with the goalies. Yeah, I, speaking of the no exhibitions, all the other teams that I've seen have these really fun exhibition games against Canadian teams like Toronto or, you know, stuff like that. Kind of jealous. I wish we had uh, an exhibition game. Uh, seeing as some exhibition games in the past, like Holy Cross last year, minus the cutter ejection. Um, have been really fun to watch and fun to see our guys kind of get out there really early in October um, 
you know, just to get a little bit more experience before the season itself actually starts. Speaking of exhibitions, um, BU gets to play a game against the under-18 team every year as an exhibition. It's really fun um, chance to see this new talent that comes into the NCAA every year. And it'll be interesting to see in the future, um, kind of maybe if BC gets the second part of that series, maybe like a BC versus the U18 team and then the BU versus under-18 team. It'd be great to see um, just for all those young fans out there who just looked to see like what talent's out there. And, and it really means a lot to them because when you ask those players why what it means to put on that jersey, a lot of them just say it just means everything because based on like Miracle on Ice, that type of thing. It's a really cool thing to see. And it'll be interesting to see it kind of if it grows in the future. Yeah, um, I would completely agree with that. I would love to see a dev team game versus BC, but it doesn't seem to be in the works for the foreseeable future, at least. Um, but now we're going to get into some upperclassmen previews, which is the type of stuff that Anthony and I could go on for hours debating about, as we have um, in many late-night conversations about how we think the season will pan out and how certain guys will play. Uh, so now we're going to get into that a little bit um, here. So... Let's start with Eamon Powell. Let's, let's talk about the captain. Um, what do we think Eamon Powell's season is going to look like? I think Eamon Powell comes in with a lot of – it's a big year for him. Um, drafted in the fourth round by the Lightning in 2020. This is one of those – it's like an inflection point almost to see where whether he gets to achieve that contract in the NHL or elsewhere. It's going to be really big for him with the pro scouts they have. Um, I really like his game. I think he's a phenomenal player, two-way defenseman. I see him as the kind of the quarterback on our power play, which looks to be one of the best in the country, depending on how we structure it. But I really like Eamon's game. Um, yeah, in terms of that power play, uh, this is another point that Anthony and I have gone back and forth about because I'm thinking, personally, my idea of a power play uh, we have the big three, and the big three I'm referring to is Will Smith, Gabe Pro, Ryan Leonard, Cutter, and and Amen. I think that's you know absolutely incredible, and would be one of the best power plays in the country. But um, moving on a little bit, we also have uh, Hershek and Letty, who hope to continue as the top shutdown D pair uh, for the Eagles, and maybe even in the Hockey East. Yeah, so Hershey comes in to this year, him and Letty both. I remember last year just their conditioning and their approach to the game, their commitment was just off the charts. Like you would always see them in the weight room or whatever, working on their, their fitness. And two players that really just lead by example. Um, they have great chemistry together on the ice. Um, I would say that Letty's more stay-at-home. Well, Hershuck's one of, one of the guys who can get in behind and create space. But just the way they're able to play together is just really something phenomenal. I remember last year against, I think it was UMass, just Letty had a phenomenal, phenomenal body check. Oh, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. It was just a thing of beauty. And it'll be interesting to see kind of if that meticulates in the future. Yeah, I, I, think, it, I think it is interesting. And I think like... Letty as an enforcer on the team has definitely been something that, um, you know, you and I and our other friends who are big hockey fans have noticed that it's, you know, 
Letty's always looking to make contact, put body on body, and I think that's uh, I think that's a really big portion of his game. And the physicality is something that we absolutely need. Uh, and you know, obviously, immediately I think of Mike Posma uh, as that physical enforcer. Um, but Letty's a bit bigger and has a lot more of those opportunities to be physical um, with and without the puck. So yeah. Also, I really like him on the penalty kill. Just their ability to kind of get into to passing lanes and block shots, especially Letty, because I think they released a video last year. They his nickname is Sponge, and I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> he just eats everything up, and and he's also great at moving the puck. Now we'll get a little bit into Colby Ambrosio, who's a player that um, everyone talks about uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, but I think Colby very much looks to continue to develop um, and, you know, remain a really consistent 20-point forward because, you know, it is Colby's senior season. Uh, a lot of the people in his class are now gone. Um, so I think uh, it's very much like a prove-it year for Colby. So I think I think we should expect a, a big year or at least anticipate a big year from Colby. I don't know what you think, Anthony. Yeah, to kind of piggyback off that, like during the summer – uh, there was some, I think the Colorado Avalanche released a video about their dev camp. And Colby was a big part of that. I just saw his meticulous approach to the process this summer and his willingness to grow. I remember last year we were debating on, like, is he going to leave? Is he going to transfer? We don't know. And he immediately just committed, like, I'm staying. We're going to win a national championship. Yeah, and I think I think that commitment shows a lot about Colby Ambrosio because, you know, it would have been easy for him to leave. It would have been easy for him to transfer. Um, but, you know, he stayed committed to the program, and I think that's, you know, a testament to the type of player that Colby Ambrosio is. So I, I'm i very excited to see how Colby pans out this year. And, and he's currently not a captain, uh, but he is a fan favorite. So it'll be interesting to see if they give him the ace at some point this year. Um, moving on, Jacob Benston comes in with a lot of experience um, at Lake Superior State. We kind of said some of this earlier. He's going to be like, I see him as a, a big penalty killer. Um, got a long reach, has a lot of promise with his puck moving skills, and he's going to really solidify that blue line. And then perhaps one of the most interesting players to come back to BC for his second year that we've had in a while is Cutter Gauthier. Brendan, what can we expect? Oh, so much, so much. Uh, Cutter is just absolutely phenomenal. And I think, first of all, we got to talk about his performance at the Worlds, um, the IHF Worlds, which was incredible. Cutter looked like, you know, the best player in the ice, even when he was playing with these, you know, NHLers who are much more experienced than he is. He he looked great. And I think that we should expect a big season from um, Cutter. Yeah, so in that tournament, he he's basically a point-of-game player. And we see this. This is a rarity because like, play, even players like Patrick Kane in the past have struggled to get a point-of-game in that tournament. Um, and I just remember Cutter, we didn't really know if he was going to sign with the Flyers because he was drafted by them in 2022. But Yeah, I um, it was a really interesting thing uh, when Anthony and I in the spring were anticipating, oh, is Cutter going to stay? Is Cutter going to go? And as soon as we found out uh, when he released that black and white picture of him walking out onto the ice, um, we immediately came up with the hashtag, the cutback, C-U-T-T, back. 
um, because, you know, it's the cutback. He's back for a great season with a great group of guys. So I'm, I'm very excited. And just something funny, just shout out to Cutter back to BC on Twitter. Like a great, great source and just provides a lot of laughs for us. Yeah, yeah, there are certainly a lot of great Twitter accounts out there that um, cover BC hockey. Cutter back to BC is one of them. Um, and every so often we see other accounts and it's like the hype around Cutter is real. And it's it's I don't even like to call it hype because it's real. Like it is it's truth. It's Cutter's an amazing player and we are super fortunate to have him coming back to BC. Yeah, so kind of transitioning uh, some news for the future of BC hockey might not might not be this year. It might be the next couple of years. We've got a lot of commitment news this summer. Um, starting off with a pair of guys from from Dubuque in the USHL. Jake Sondrell committed, I believe, at the end of last year um, as a plus one. He's going to come in next year uh, from out of Minnesota. He's a he's a great player. Uh, I see him as a two-way forward. Um, and then we have Gavin Cornforth, also from Dubuque who just committed this summer from Massachusetts. And they're going to kind of be like associate playmakers for us in the future. Yeah, I think I think Dubuque's obviously an interesting connection with BC. And now we see um, Seamus Powell is off to Dubuque. He played, he had a nice goal the other night against the um, dev team. So there's definitely a relationship between BC and Dubuque. Yeah, so to kind of expand on that, Johnny Goudreau, he went to Dubuque before BC. So I thought that was an interesting piece of information. But to expand, we have Teddy Mutrin, uh, also from Mass, uh, Thayer Academy. He's currently at St. Sebastian's, and he'll probably he'll play there again this year, I assume. He'll probably join BC next year, year after next, maybe something like that. And they're all just really strong playmakers, strong forwards. And now we're going to get into the super exciting news that happened last week. Um, Anthony and I kind of you know, went really, really berserk over this news. Uh, drum roll, please. Anthony, who just committed to Boston College? Yeah, so we have James Hagens, um, one of the top 06s, if not the top 06 um, from his year. He's currently at the development program. He got, I believe, 85 points in 60 games for the under-17 team last year. And he set the single tournament point record at the U.N. Inter- under 17 worlds. So we're talking about a player that outscores Alice Ovechkin, Austin Matthews, those type of players. I know that doesn't mean a lot, but it's just a really interesting prospect out there that did commit to BC. And don't um, forget about his brother. His brother also committed. Uh, he's playing um, at the Chicago Steel. Uh, and I think this, you know, the two of them committing, uh, although we're very excited for James Higgins, I think let's not forget uh, Michael Higgins is also going to be a great player who – uh, BC will be able to rely upon for years. Yeah, so Michael Hagens was draft eligible for this year. He was a strong two-way forward out of Chicago. Um, he was undrafted, but he did flip his commitment from Harvard. So that kind of says a lot about what BC is growing here and how players do want to come here and play for Gre- Greg Brown. It's not it's not the Jerry York effect anymore. It's kind of a new era, and we're seeing a lot of commitments at the first stage of those, really throughout the next 10 years, basically, and see how that meticulates. Yeah, I um, I would agree with that. And uh, to kind of cap off the episode, um, we're going to talk about some NCAA hockey news. Um, and 
we're going to mention uh, everything college hockey, ECH, which is a huge inspiration for our podcast. Yeah, so ECH, uh, everything college hockey, they released, a, I think, like a Twitter poll maybe a few weeks ago or something. It was over the summer, yeah, yeah. And they asked kind of what rule changes would fans want to see in the NCAA. And there was quite a few responses. Um, Brandon, what, what were some of them that you remember? Um, some of them that I remember um, are the idea that the um, penalty should not remain after a goal. So basically, uh, in a delayed penalty, if a team in the NCAA scores a goal, the penalty remains after the goal, uh, which is a little a little strange. Um, but yeah, there's also some that were mentioned, such as um, there shouldn't be a penalty for a pass hand pass in the defensive zone. Uh, any others that I'm missing, Anthony? Yeah, just kind of go in off of that. I remember the first goal that Cutter Gochi ever scored was off a delayed call. He against Northeastern, he just skated right past him on the delayed call and scored. But then we still got the power play, so I thought that was really weird. But there was definitely some situations where we like did not benefit off of that, and I'm I'm sure other teams can say the same. I remember one like really weird rule they were talking about was is if you were on the penalty kill and you scored a shorthanded goal, that would nullify the power play. And that would be really, really interesting. I remember even on the NHL level, people are always discussing rule changes. So it would be really interesting to see if the rule book does change for the for the college world. Yeah, that's weird. I don't know what I, I, don't know what I think about that. Um, I think it's interesting, and it's um, Anthony's being humble, but everything college hockey actually reposted what he said on Twitter. Um, what was that about again? Did you post about uh, that? I just posted about the, the nullifying the power play after the after the goal. Right, yeah. But um but yeah, no, we're excited because everything college hockey will be coming to the Battle of Comav in January. So I'm very excited for that. And Anthony and I are looking to hopefully meet uh the guys at ECH. Yeah, so one last rule that ECH kind of introduced was the or brought to brought in the light was the the face off rule. I remember last year Trevor Kuntar was an avid, an avid face-off guy, one of our best, him and Cam Burke. And they were they were eager at the face-off all the time, but they would always get kicked out um, sometimes, which is something that we see on on the NHL level is a like a common occurrence, but in college it's really not because like you end up getting a penalty for it. So I don't really agree with it. I think it's something that they should look into changing. Because it is hard to understand the cadence of like the referee, kind of how that plays into it. But what can we expect from like just the season as a whole? Oh, I, I'm expecting a great season, and you know, I'm I'm very cautiously optimistic, as all BC sports have conditioned me to be, more specifically football. But I I'm excited, and I think that um, in a lot of preseason polls, BC is ranked around fifth, sixth. Um, and, you know, B is at one in most of those polls, Quinnipiac um, and other schools like that we see up there. But I am expecting a really good season. I'm really excited um, specifically to watch that first away game. We'll be watching on ESPN Plus um, versus Quinnipiac, Quinnipiac's first game after the national championship um, in Connecticut, which um, Quinnipiac is a lot of the same guys coming back. So, uh, I think the chemistry is there, and I think they're still going to be a great team. I don't know what you think about that game. Yeah, I think it's going to be really important for our young guys. They're going to come in. I hope they look to prove themselves to this experienced group that we're playing. But it's going to be a game where we just have to set the tone. 
for the whole year. And it's going to be interesting to see. Any other games we're looking forward to, Brendan? I mentioned the Michigan State. That's what I'm looking forward to. We have a Thursday-Friday set of games, both at home, Conti Forum in the middle of October. Holy cow, I'm excited for those games. Um, Thursday night hockey sounds like heaven to me. Uh, and, yeah, no, we have a lot of games in October, whether it be uh, RPI, Long Island, um, Denver. We have a lot of games in October, so I think it'll be a, a great month for BC hockey uh, and a great month for those guys to start to prove themselves. Yeah, going back to Michigan State, they have like a lot of players from the dev team, like we were saying before. It's something that I think is really phenomenal, um, like Trey Augustine and Isaac Howard from two, a couple years ago, the top scorer, and um, someone like Artem Levshinov, who is a really interesting player to me because he's he's like a top like twenty twenty four prospect for this year. And it's going to be interesting to see kind of what his game looks like because he did play in the USHL last year for uh, Green Bay, and we didn't know too much about him. But now he's kind of stepping into the NCAA light. Um, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Yeah, we also we also are going to get a chance to see Red Savage um, off fresh off of transfer, um, so I'm excited for that too. But yeah, so I think I think this pretty much wraps up our first episode of ContiCast. Um, if any of our listeners have suggestions about what they want to hear about BC hockey. Um, we would love to hear it. Um, we'll probably be back in you know a week or so. Um, so yeah, until then, uh, we're so happy that you joined us on our first episode and you're kind of coming along with us on this journey of the podcast that we've wanted to make for a long time. Yeah, we're going to come in with a lot of just game previews, game summaries throughout the year. Uh, next week, we're going to get into the women's more of the women's game and kind of how they're starting off the year with their performances. I think they have Stonehill on the on the docket coming up and then Clarkson soon after that before the Met even starts. So hopefully they can get off to a good start. And thanks for listening, and we'll be back next Monday. <laughs>